Hello, it's Richard Herring here. Welcome to my podcast feed, powered by ACAS Plus. And my stand-up tour is about to begin. Can I have my ball back? First stand-up tour in six years. Many of you just know me from the podcast. Don't know, I've done 14 or 15 stand-up tours in my own right. I'm a brilliant stand-up comedian. And can I have my ball back? I think it's my best show ever. That's what the audiences are saying. It's about testicular cancer, but it's funny because testicles are funny, even though cancer isn't. Uh, I'm really pleased with it. I'd love you to come and see it. Bring your friends. Some of the shows selling really well. Some of them selling really badly. It's a traditional Richard Herring tour. But here's where I'm going to be. 2nd of May, Thursday at the Luton Hat Factory. It's a small venue, but there are still tickets left. 3rd of May, I'm at the Berry Hedge End, which is near Southampton. That's looking more full, but still some availability. 8th of May, I'm at the Leicester Square Theatre. There's about 10 tickets left for that one, though I am back at the Leicester Square Theatre in June. And then I'm at St Albans on the 9th, Gloucester on the 10th. Chorley Little Theatre on the 11th, that's sold out, but you can join the waiting list. And then the 12th of May, I'm at Glasgow, afternoon show sold out. Evening show, extra show, put on, still with tickets. And then there's lots more. Go to richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or richardherring.com slash gigs. And now enjoy whatever podcast I've given you. It's free. It's all for you. If you want to pay me back, buy a book, come and see a show. That's all I've got to say to you. Love you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, it's me, Richard Herring. It's Boxing Day, Boxing Day. It's the day we box up Boxing Day stuff that was boxed from Christmas Day. And what we're doing here is a compilation of the best of 2023 put together by the fine young man, Ben Evans, who is a credit to his father, Chris Evans, not that one, who is a terrible man. So I don't know how he's produced such a wonderful son. I'll also thank Kathleen McKeegan, who uh, does the Rahalaspa.com website, who I'm sure proved very helpful during this particular um, compilation putting togetherness that Ben has done. Anyway, look, we're doing a different one. Uh, the best of shows every day, 26, 27, 28, 29th, and then the 1st of January, there'll be one as well to herald in the new year. And the first person we're going to be hearing from, he's never done a gig at the Leicester Square Theatre, but he's been on this show a few times. It's, uh, he's, I like him. I'll, I'll say it now. I love him. It's John Cairns. I've never had any problem with it. And honestly, I would say the majority of the times I've had to shake hands, something has gone wrong post-COVID. And I'm not saying that's the worst result of 
the coronavirus in the world. But it's not good, is it? Because then, like, if you go, if you meet someone, I was at the, um, the literary festival, the famous one in uh, Hay and Hay Festival, and like, I was, and I was up with, and it's like really prestigious authors and intellectuals and stuff. Yeah. And I met someone, in, uh, the, the, the friend of this important person, I can't remember who it was, and I was sitting down. And it was a bit, it was a bit awkward anyway, because I was sitting down and they came over and then I had to sort of half get up and shake hands. And then I gave this really weird handshake and then had to apologise for how weird the handshake was. Who was it? I can't remember. It was the friend of someone like Jenny Murray or something like that. The, uh, it was a famous broadcaster and it was a friend of theirs. And that's sort of worse than it being the broadcaster. Yeah. I'm worried about it. <laughs> I'm worried if I'll ever get that back. But I think, I think the coronavirus has had a, a longer reach. Well, I told you, the last all. cultural thing I saw before the lockdown was yeah. Michael Ball and Alfie Bow at the O2. Yeah. Does that count as a cultural thing? <laughs> I think I, I did go kind of ironically. OK. But they, they're incredible, Yeah. obviously. Yeah. And uh, they did a whole kind of routine about... They went to shake each other's hands, and then they went, oh, no, no. And then they were doing all their elbows thing. But I do often think about that audience, because that was at the O2, 15,000 people. You know, you, you're talking about your audience being old. <laughs> <laughs> they t- uh, Alfie Bow and Michael Ball must have yeah. taken a big hit. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Tom was fine before Michael Ball got involved. <laughs> That's true. He was just in his garden. That would have been, for a lot of the people in that room, that would be the last thing they ever went to. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, a Grease Megamix? <laughs> sung by Alfie Bow. And... You know, that's a nice thing to know, isn't it? It's a nice thing to it, know. I, you know. I think Alfie Bow is incredible. Okay. Do you like Alfie Bow? No. <laughs> not particularly. Not particularly. I mean, I wouldn't listen to their music by choice. I like mine. I only know really. But you don't like music. I don't really like music, so I'm not the person. So what music would you pick by choice? (sighs) Exactly. Paul McCartney's good. Ben Folds. Not Alfie Bow. No offence to Alfie Bow. Alfie Bow probably wouldn't listen to this. Oh God, I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. (laughs) I hope he doesn't. I hope he uh, doesn't come on this podcast in the future and then listens to this episode (laughs) to, to find out what it was like. I don't know what I'd ask Alfie Bow. Do you think he's ever tried to suck his own cock? Yeah. I might make that, I might make that the question. Michael Ball Do you, do you, do you think Alfie Bow's ever tried to suck his own cock? Had Alfie Bow do, do an edition of that book, but <laughs> everything is about whether Alfie Bow... <laughs> just pick, I, pick one random. Do you think Alfie Bow's ever seen a ghost? <laughs> yeah, this is good. He's in Les Mis. There's a ghost in that, though. Don't, know. Don't like music. Uh, if Alfie Bow had to marry a piece of furniture, which piece of furniture? <laughs> it does work. I, mean, I don't it know whether work. it's. It does work. I don't, know, I don't know if it's got the legs to. It could just because that could be an offshoot. You know, like Death in Paradise, which is one of my favourite programmes, is doing has done an offshoot where they've obviously Chris Marshall didn't want to go to the Caribbean. For half the year, yeah. so they've set it in Devon or somewhere. Yeah, I could do a version of Rallastabo, which is just me asking emergency questions, but about Alfie Bow to other people, <laughs> but not Alfie Bow. 
<laughs> then eventually, last episode ever, do about 6,000 episodes of it. Yeah, yeah. Then Alfie Bo, ask him all the questions and then see who got it right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear another one. I just want to hear another okay, one. See. I just want to hear another one. See if it works. It's going. See if it works. Um, what is the... <laughs> What's the best thing that Alfie Bo has ever done in the rain? <laughs> he was homeless for a bit. Was he? <laughs> that was an insensitive question. Inter- he's an interesting That guy. was an insensitive question about because he'd have been in the rain a lot, wouldn't he? So that would have... Right, no, if I, it's a good that you were here because if I just bowled, got Alfie Bo on, go, what's the best thing you've done in the rain? He goes, I was in the rain a lot when I was homeless. Yeah. And I didn't know about that. Yeah, but that. those bits are good in a podcast. Yeah, they can be good. If Alfie Bo had to... Uh, would he rather give up chocolate or cheese? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try this for next week's podcast. Not tell Nish Kumar what I'm doing. <laughs> what is Alfie Bo's most mundane encounter with a celebrity? Might be the time you came to see him. At the... <laughs> <laughs> it's already, you know, we hit a high. We, that was the trajectory of that joke. As we lived out in real time, it started, it grew, it got better, and now we're, we're on the downward You made slow. a career out of dragging these things along. <laughs> That's what you do. Sometimes they just live in the moment for a second. That's the beauty of live performance. Sometimes you have one of those performances you think that some people in this room will remember that for the rest of their lives. And bang, it's gone. And uh, John was on at the Leicester Comedy Festival, as was my next guest, Nish Kumar. The most enjoyable bit of Hold the Front Page, though, I have to say, which we did talk a moment with, with Josh, was when you, uh, when Boris Johnson drove past you in a car. I mean, did you expect them to put that in the final show? No. <laughs> no. He, they, they said to us, we were in Blackpool, and, like, we had, like, we were supposed to be looking for stories, and we were trying to find it, and there was, like, a day that we were supposed to plan out for... And then, at, like, three o'clock... The uh, a producer got called and just he looked very like confused and serious. And, I mean, I always naturally assumed they'd cancelled the show because <laughs> if there's one thing I can do, it's get shows cancelled. So far, I haven't managed to get one cancelled in the middle of filming it. Yeah. But the, but I did, as as you mentioned, take down a whole network. So I sort of assumed that that's that's what it was. Sky uh, Maximilian, who runs Sky Max, was just calling and being like, "This show's fucked." But it was because they said Boris Johnson's going to turn up to do a speech at Sixth Form College. And it was the first time he'd been seen in public since he won the confidence vote that he won, but, like, not by enough, like, in that weird way where you're like, he did win this, technically. Yeah. But it wasn't really up. And so we immediately tried to get accreditation and, like, the speed of the response (laughs) from Number 10's press team was, like... Absolutely fucking like absolutely not. Uh, Nicola, who was the editor, did not comply with my request to get print out the email because I wanted to frame that email. It's like I was working on a BBC radio show when the David Cameron pig story uh, broke, and my producer wouldn't give me a, it wouldn't let me print out an email that said, "I'm afraid that under BBC regulations, we cannot use the term balls deep in swine." <laughs> So I asked if they were like, oh, of course not. And so, but then Nicola was like, 
You know, it basically it happened completely as it happens in the uh, episode. She said, you're journalists. You know, we don't take no for an answer. If you can scare up a story, you scare up a story. So go, go down there and try and get a question. And so we went there, and, like, the whole way, Josh was like... like I think people probably think it was, like, played up for the camera. But, like, Josh would be like, Nish, please don't act up when we see <laughs> Boris Johnson. And then the cameras would turn off, and Josh would go, seriously, please don't do anything. <laughs> like, in all seriousness, like, th- this is not a joke. Please don't do anything. And I was like, I'm not... In, like, I don't... You know... So then we get out of the car, and we're sort of... We realise that we're late... And so we get out of the car and, like, you can see this sort of this thing going on. And, like, there's a bit... It, it's fun when you watch the ep- It's fun for me to watch the episode because there's a point where the cameras swing around. You just see our entire camera crew. Like, we, and they were very, like, we shouldn't show the crew. You don't want... You, like, the magic of these shows is you want people to feel immersed in it. But it was actually... It was so difficult that you could just see all of our <laughs> camera crew because everybody's just running around. They don't know what the fuck is going on. And then someone shouts, that's his car... And then, so we start running, like, in retrospect. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I was... Th- like, in retrospect, if I'd have been shot, it probably would have been my own fault. Like, <laughs> but we just start running after the car, and I genuinely, again, like, I just lost my mind. Like, I properly lost my mind. We, I was just screaming. Um, uh, <laughs> and then Josh was like ask a question, and I was like, how does it feel that you partied while people died? (laughs) And then we sort of stopped, and then I, afterwards, I said, I think I called him a piece of shit. And our sound man was like, are you joking? I was like, what are you talking about? He was like, you called him a cunt. (laughs) So many times. And then he, I was like, I don't think I caught, like, I still, at the end of the day, I'm still a television professional, and I know what can and can't be broadcast. And he was like, listen to this. And it was just, you like, over and over and over again. You fucking can't! Just over and over again, just, like, screaming. And because it was in his sound booth, you can see, like, you know, there's that little thing, like, you can see all the sound up. It's just all red. It's just flashing red. And it's just, you could just hear Josh in the background go, No, Nish! And I was sort of like, and I, afterwards I said to our producer, I was like, there's absolutely no way that I could go in. And he was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> this is when you realise, like, you're not a real, you don't do a real job. Like, I know that I don't do a real job. But when somebody looks at you seriously and goes, I think we can bleep at least three cunts. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you think, all right, fine. Nish there. What a guy. Following him up with another fantastic comedian, Ishan Akbar. Yeah, the exciting news that I don't think you can talk about very much is you're in the fourth series of Sex Education, so you've got a, a big acting job. I have got a big acting job. I mean, I am in the fourth season of Sex Education uh, on Netflix. No one here was at all bothered by that information. <laughs> um, what was annoying is when I announced that that had happened... The number of messages I got from my fans, apparently, and my friends asking me if I was a paedophile teacher. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't... Do I give them a pedo vibe? 
if you if it, if you were, if it was a pedo teacher, I'd have I'd have got it. That's <laughs> that, that is, those are my I don't roles. Think yeah. I don't. I think I. I I don't think I give a pedo vibe. No, well, you know, all your friends and fans seem to think. Yeah, they do, seem to so think that's, so. That's not so I say. can I can at least confirm that I'm not pe- not playing a pedophile okay. teacher. Certainly not in this script. <laughs> yeah. Do you think they can edit it to make it look who, like you? Who knows what could happen? <laughs> this is, in this post production. They'll turn you into. This one. is yeah. This is Netflix. Anything could happen. So <laughs> it's inexplicable that I'm in a Netflix show. I think it's absolutely mind-bogglingly baffling that I'm doing a Netflix show, but. I'll take the money. <laughs> and was acting something that you were interested in getting into, or is it? Is it? Oh, particularly, I was. <laughs> just I'm just very life. naturally talented at stuff. I sound like <laughs> such a wanker, don't I? Honestly, all the supporting actors I talked to when they asked me what drama school did you go to, and I said I didn't, and then they said, "What else have you been?" And I said, "I haven't." They were like, "Are you fucking kidding me? This is <laughs> your first role." I'd... What had happened is I'd gone for the audition, and in truth, I'd forgotten about the audition right, because I was so busy with gigs. I got to the audition, and I saw a couple of other comedians walking out, uh, uh, one Asian, one black, and I was like, okay, they're going for a specific thing here. And uh, I walked into, and there were loads of other um, people auditioning. They were all wearing tweed blazers. But I was wearing pretty much what I'm wearing now, which is like an overshirt and a T-shirt. And I was like, oh, fuck, I've really fucked this up. And then as I was walking, I said to the casting agent, oh, by the way, I've not read the script. I don't know it. I'm really sorry. She said, that's fine. So we did, like, three takes of each scene. Each scene in my head was getting worse and worse and worse. <laughs> three weeks later, I'd forgotten about it. I called my agent and I said, listen, that, please get someone to teach me how to do auditions because I don't understand this. Three weeks later, I'm in Liverpool um, d- with the Have a Word podcast where I was playing the role of a head chef at a restaurant. My agent calls me and he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm in Liverpool. And he goes, are you going to get hammered tonight? I said, yes, I'm in Liverpool. I'm going to get absolutely wasted. And he said, all right, well, try not to, because tomorrow you have to go to Cardiff because you're in sex education. Right. That's literally what happened. Wow. I turned up, my first day of filming, I met one of the guys I was doing a scene with. I asked him if he'd been on the show long. (laughs) He was Asa Butterfield. (laughs) who was the lead in the whole fucking thing. <laughs> and he thought I was taking the piss, and I honestly wasn't, because I've not seen the show. And then we really got on, and then at the end of the day, we followed each other on Instagram. I just kind of scrolled down. He had a picture of him on GQ magazine. I messaged him to say, can't believe you put your moon pig card up, that's jokes. And he said, no, that's the actual GQ magazine. <laughs> I was like, all right. Then I scrolled up, I had 12,500 followers, he had 5.8 million. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, I'm dealing with the big leagues now. So it was a a crazy thing. The filming's done. It's coming out later in the year. I'm dead excited about it. Let's see see how people take to it. Yeah. That was Ishan. And now we've had him on a few times. I know him pretty well. It's the pub landlord, but he's a human being as well. Al Murray. I mean, it makes the show sound pretty spectacular. People, you know, there's... There's There's a cast of 106 puppets in it. Right. How many puppeteers? Twelve. And, and you, do get, you do get the odd thing where it goes, you know, ice pack needed for so-and-so at the end of that scene. Because, yeah. the, 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 you know, they're big and they're quite... The, the ones that have come off the TV show are heavier than the ones... The, the, they made some new ones for the stage. Yeah. But they're quite heavy, and so they kind of get five minutes out of a puppeteer. It's quite demanding <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a piece of theatre. But, it's, I mean, it, I, I've seen it, I think, half a dozen times now, and, it, and it's... It, it's amazing. And what's also going on is more and more detail go, it goes in as the puppeteers 
like get more into it and yeah. are finding extra little bits of business. We've got a thing, there's a, a thing called the Circle of Jerks, which is when the Tory party all come in, like in the style of the Lion King. So we've got <laughs> this 12-foot-tall Reese Moggs praying mantis and Pretty Patel's a bat and... What's her name? Therese Coffey's a slug with a cigar and the smoke comes out of her ass as well. It's really funny. But basically, we've got, we've got all that. And, and um, the business... I've seen, you know, each time I go back, so there's more business built into that. If you've got all the puppeteers on stage together working the business together, it gets, it's, like, it's, like, it's like it's a cartoon and someone's filled in all the detail. Yeah. It's really amazing. So you're kind of hoping nothing really happens in the world. Well, <laughs> if, if, well no, because we... nothing changes. If the, if the Tory government fell tomorrow... I mean, well, that's all right. Yeah, we could, be, we could, we could, we could. It would could, be more than all right, but yeah. Well, yeah, right. yeah. I mean, obviously, we'd really love to bring the government down, but just not yet. <laughs> we want it to go into the West End for at least eighteen months, <laughs> and then bring the government down. Right? No, if, if, if the government comes down next week, we you know, yeah. do they mind <laughs> to rewrite it? But no, we, so we had to deal with Sturgeon about Sturgeon's uh, retirement or res- resignation ten days ago, and that was I was on holiday, I was in Tenerife, but you know. WhatsApp yes. is the great leveller, <laughs> and it pops up immediately. What are we going to do? So we all, everyone's pitching lines on the group, and then Jess Robinson does uh, Sturgeon. She was on a holiday in the Lake District, so she drove down from the lakes to Birmingham with her mum and a dog in the car, <laughs> did the new lines, they rehearsed it with the puppeteer, stuck it in, and that evening, there it was, her going, that's it, I resign, on top of the lines we had her doing anyway. Yeah. So the whole, all the, all the words are it's re- all a pre-recorded. Track, yeah. Yeah, because otherwise, the, the, which is how they used to make the program. So the, the, right. they'd record it, and then they, the puppeteers would do it to the track. Because okay. there's yeah. just you couldn't. Where would you put them in the orchestra pit? How would it work? And also, you'd then be paying for impressionists night and day, yeah. and, and that would be really expensive. <laughs> and, you know, our, our mysterious, uh, you know, back end would disappear even further into the future. But the, but the, but yeah. So it's to a track, but you can you know you can get someone to record lines on a phone now. I mean, that's the other thing is is. The technology has levelled a big part of that um, yeah. kind of playing field. So, so if you need an if you need an insert, I can do. I got I got a home studio, and I'm doing some of the voices, and Forty has as well. And in fact, a, a, anyone who does voiceover basically has stuff at home now course, since the yeah. pandemic. So, yeah. so you know, actually running repairs are quite easy to do. I mean, our big problem would be if if Sunak quit tomorrow. And then the Tory came in, who we don't have a puppet of. Right. <laughs> they take about four weeks to turn around. Okay. Because it's character. You know, you get a caricaturist in. You pick the caricature you sure. like the best. They're they're then sculpted. They're turned into a that has to. Uh, there's a mould. It has to dry. The puppet has to dry. Then they have to be painted. They have to. You know, and it's actually it's a sort of four week process. So we probably, because we've got a scene where, where it said, you know, this is where the big beast of the Tory party gather to choose a leader every few weeks, right? So we'd, <laughs> so we'd probably have someone with a paper bag with a smiley face on <laughs> <laughs> to come on and go, hello, it's me, you know, do- whoever. If it's not Rob, I mean, anyway, the, 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 something we're not going to worry about. No, it's going to drive us mad. It's interesting. I mean, even it's sort of interesting you had to write it three or four times, yeah. even in the first place. To, but devising to to a thing that is kind of... Is, I mean, the royal family, fortunately, have a thing in place for when one of them... Uh, <laughs> dies, which is that they're replaced by their. So when, when the Queen uh, died, we were able to put Charles in her place. That, yeah. that was no. That was that was fortunately no biggie. <laughs> but but um, it's it's. Yeah, Al we Murray tried... claims the Queen's death was no biggie. 
I mean, the, That's the take-home headline, the Daily amazing, Mail. Yeah, but come on, come on, come on. Everyone, it was going to happen at some point and no one seemed prepared for it. It was amazing. I was in a theatre that night and they went, shit, that afternoon, when yeah. it was obviously what had happened. And she's in the theatre, they go, shit, what do we do? We haven't got a protocol. I think she's, how long has this been? I mean, I'm not, how long is the death of the Queen been coming? But it was a weird moment, anyway. Yeah. But 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 we've kind of, I think what we've done is we've kind of built a thing that where you could... you. You know, it's like a vessel and you can change the sails, yeah. but not have to change the whole thing. No. That's the idea. Sure. But it might, might not work out like that. It sounds amazing. It reminds me a bit uh, of the Oxford Review 1989. Yeah. We'll show on the fringe. <laughs> that you were, it was 88 or 89? 89. Yeah. Because that was a big concept show about the world uh, ending. The world ending, yeah. 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 Worst worst show on the fringe called The Independent the Observer. Yeah. Hmm. You know who directed that? I can't remember. No, I can't remember who he I can't was. Remember who he was? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't me. It was the other one. No, no you had no- <laughs> you had nothing to do with that show, did you? No. Yeah. No. You've been burned the year before. <laughs> I'd had a terrible, terrible God, time. So awful. I remember what, like watching that, thinking <laughs> this is a bit mean. Anyway, there we go. What yeah. what a one! I'm still dealing with it. I'm still trying to get through it. Thanks to Al for coming back on. And now we are coming up to a quick break for adverts. A time to remind you that my books are available from all good bookstores. Most of them included at GoFasterStripe.com. We can get downloads of my stand-up shows. If you are bored during this perineum of the year, I'm filling the perineum for you here with loads of fun and laughter. If you want to buy tickets to my shows or one of my books or one of my downloads or even a DVD if you're crazy, then... That's my advert. Now here's some adverts from other people. Buy their stuff as well. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Thank you to our kind sponsors. Um, this guest, uh, second time on, he was on in uh, remotely during lockdown. Uh, he's going to be in the Taskmaster Champion of Champions, even though he didn't win his Taskmaster series. How is that possible? It's Kyle Smith Bino. Um, All right, I'll ask you this, Kyle. If you were going to be put in a human centipede, <laughs> I haven't done this question for a long time. 
Uh, and Definitely the front. No, I'm not, you're not. You're not getting to choose your position. Don't be ridiculous. Oh, what? <laughs> What's going on? No, everyone's going to choose the front. But the mad scientist allows you to choose the other two people who'll be in the. You're in the middle, but you're allowed to choose who you're going to be attached to. Who would you like up front, and who would you like at the back? Um, but I don't, you, the thing... I mean, you're, you're very fussy about catering, so I'm going to be interested to see how, how this one goes down. You know, my initial thought yeah. was, you don't really get to chat to them. <laughs> you I'm sort of good. picking people as if it's like a dinner party. Well, the person in the front can chat. It is, in a way. The person in the but... front can talk, but you'll have to go... <laughs> I don't... Well, it wouldn't make a difference. I'd never see their face. I know, but... It's not a, a good answer to this. It's who do you, would you like to shit into the mouth of? Well, well, who I guess, would you like to... Well, I guess it would have to be diet-based. Yeah, it could be. For the front, that For makes For the sense. front, yeah. yeah. A vegan, maybe? I don't know. Or do they yeah. eat good stuff? I don't know. When I eat vegetarian food, it, it doesn't come out. Well, not you, then. You're off the list, mate. I was a vegetarian for, like, 15 years, and still, when I eat that food, I, you know... It's, yeah. It's, it's not good. Um, I guess someone, uh, Cameron Diaz. Okay, that's a good choice. <laughs> We're going to arrange this seen, to happen. I think I've seen her talking about eating, like, about <laughs> she, I think I've seen her talking about wanting a man's <laughs> mouth sewed to her anus. I think I've seen that somewhere. So I, bet, I think she said that, so that would be... <laughs> I think I saw that interview. Um, she said, I, is there any chance I can get the bloke from English Ghosts? <laughs> So, just by his mouth to my to my anus that would be and for, then who would you like to put in the mouth for the of? back I guess like for comfort someone with fake lips maybe yeah um <laughs> who's got fake lips nowadays someone from TOWIE yeah um Amy Childs okay <laughs> that's always a good punishment for getting fake lips if you could go, this is another hard one. If you could go into a chrysalis like a caterpillar, yeah, uh, but you get to choose what you come out of the chrysalis is. You go in as Kyle and you come out as anything you want. Anything yeah. doesn't have to be an animal. Can be anything. Oh shit, man! What would you come out of the chrysalis as? Oh, um, oh, um, so many. Oh, Cameron Diaz. Um, <laughs> uh, Cameron Diaz with you attached. Uh, I don't. Uh, that's what I, like about I mean, I guess it'd have to be human. It doesn't have to be. Well, I think it has to be for me. Okay. Because I mean, be what's you, the could... point in being here if you're going to be a table? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no offence. <laughs> but like, you know, you don't want to. You don't want to. For can... those who believe in reincarnation, yeah. you don't want to come back as a table, man. I don't want to come back as a table. You could come back as a creature, or you could be a. You know, it could be you with a. With... No, it would have to be a human, I guess. Okay. Um... It would be now. We're talking now, like yeah. present day. Yeah, obviously now, yeah. Don't want to find out what you would have been in a chrysalis five years ago. I'm not insane. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, man. Um... I'm, glad, I'm glad you're taking it this seriously. We <laughs> <laughs> could put a bit more of the Funhouse theme over this, but... Like, I mean... It's hard to say that yeah. you want to be someone else because 
You know, everyone has their problems. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Janet be, Jackson. You want to be Janet Jackson? I mean, she's got a lot of... She probably got a lot of she's problems. She's probably got a lot of problems. But yeah. I think, like, to be Michael Jackson's sister yeah. and not be referred to as Michael Jackson's sister... Is, yeah. She's done. She's probably had a great life. You just called her Michael Jackson. Hey, come on! <laughs> Don't be like that. Um, she's done like she's had her. She's had her own. She's done her own thing. Yeah, I reckon she's got a great. I mean, it's not. Exactly, it's, it's it's the same thing that Michael Jackson did. It's not her own thing. Oh she's, sure, she did exactly the same thing as Michael Jackson. She acted more than him. Okay, that's true. Got you there. <laughs> um, Jack Have you Jackson. seen him in the thriller video? He's pretty good. Actor. He, he is, good. yes. But oh, it's mostly prosthetics, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was prosthetics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Janet Jackson. This is him eating popcorn. What's that? Is oh. him eating popcorn in the thriller video? <laughs> <laughs> I think he eats it too. He eats it too. Too jollily. He just eats, he, he acts eating the popcorn. He's, he's eating popcorn, right, he, doesn't, right, he doesn't right. need to act. He's not just eating the popcorn, he's know. eating the popcorn. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, I get He doesn't you. need to act because he's doing it. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Just do it, don't act it. That's my advice to you. Fuck! That's what I... Also... <laughs> Why didn't you tell me that another, before my round audition? Another piece of advice? Yes. Don't turn and look at the people just before they say their line. Wait till they're saying it before you turn around. That's, that's my other acting advice oh, to nice. you. Nice. I've done a bit of acting. Hmm. <laughs> I like that. Got some advice for you. How do you feel about the... Uh, the we're going to wrap, wrap I'm up I'm going to try and answer a question as soon as you ask it. OK. How do you feel about the, uh, the Paddy Power advert that you... Bullshit. I got paid about £125. Yeah. Um, I also realised that there was a slight racial issue in okay. that. And I, when I only realised that last year when I watched it back. <laughs> Is that ten, yeah. ten, take us through it. Um, there's a part where he has a white car and I say to him that... You don't want a white car because you're going to have to clean it all the time. You want black. And then he goes like this to me. Oh, no. Yeah. It's in the... It's in... It, you, can, you can watch it now. A slight racial... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I only realised last year. I shot that advert 10 years ago. Wow. 120 quid. 125 pound. And oh. I went to Sheffield on a train on probably the coldest day of the year. Right. I'm going to get uh, Paddy Power cancelled over there. Hasn't it been cancelled already? Oh, probably. No, actually, I don't think it has. It's no. booming. It's, it's doing well. Yeah. It's doing best. Is, Ever since I realised... Like, a lot that of racists rich... like betting. That was a choice by the actor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. 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 So but he was like, hey, he was like 98 then, so... Yeah. R.I.P. Can't, we can't. We won't be able to put that out either. <laughs> there's nothing, there's nothing going on. No, come we'll on, just, give me... Give we'll me I want one more. I want one, one more question that I can okay. that I'll answer straight away on, because I've been an, thinking about them. Let's too go much. for an emergency question. Yeah. Um, would you rather have a hand made out of ham or an armpit that dispenses sun cream? Uh, a hand made out of ham. Yeah. Each and every time. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. It's the right answer. I think. Uh... Thanks to Kyle. Uh, another returning hero, I think, also did a, a, a slot in lockdown, and this was her in real life. It's Catherine Bohart. What is the most ludicrous thing you've ever done in the name of love? That is a computer asking you that oh, question. Okay. Have you done many ludicrous things? Yeah. Um. Pardon? What was that? Comedy roast battle. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, <laughs> that was in the name of a paycheck. Um, no, 
no, Comedy Rose Battle's a good shout. It broke my poor mother's heart. Um, no, I actually think Comedy Rose Battle was fine. Loads of people watched the clip, but we did get paid. Yeah. Um, I'd say, actually, <laughs> the the most ludicrous thing I've done in the name of love was by a taxidermied squirrel. Okay. Um, I'll explain, but it won't necessarily make it any clearer. <laughs> um, I was dating a person who liked taxidermy. That's good. Or an, or an initial red flag, whatever way you see it. <laughs> and, um, and I desperately wanted to save the f- relationship that was sadly falling apart. Yeah. And I was in panic mode. You know, when you're like, I just gotta, I gotta do, what can I do to like, fix, like, like, I gotta do a big romantic gesture. And I was in Angel and I walked by a place called Get Stuffed. <laughs> um, if you know what David Sedaris has written about it, I now know, but I didn't know that at the time, which I, if I had known, I would have known it's the most fucking expensive taxidermy <laughs> shop in the world. Bloody hell. Anyway, I go to this place and I see this sign on the door. And it's like, it's obviously full of dead animals, which is in and of itself, I guess, a good sign that they're selling them or else what the hell. But um, I was like, okay. So I stand at the door and I can see the man at the till and he can see me and he doesn't move. So I'm like, there's no one in the shop. There's no one outside the shop. The shop is open, yeah. but I can't get in the door. He wasn't. Ta- was he? Was he ta- was ta- obviously, my first question is like, is he part of the display? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like the penis Did this used to be a pet shop? What's (laughs) happening? This man and everyone's dead. I was like, okay. He just stares at me and then goes back to his book. And I was like, this dude... I I have to be the first person who's tried to come in here today. You haven't had... Nobody else has been this desperate an angel today. See the sign on the door. It says, ring for appointments. So I ring the number. And in front of me, he picks up the telephone. (laughs) And he goes, hello? And I say, hiya. I'm the lady outside. And he's like... Hello. And I was like, I was wondering if I could come in for an appointment. And he was like, when were you thinking? <laughs> I was like, now would be nice if that's cool. And he was like, let me check. And then he goes through his book. I was like, what is this? There's no one in there. Anyway, he eventually opens the door. I come in and he was like, so um, what are you looking for? And I was like, uh, so I, look, I'll be honest with you. I was... In a, like a period mania, I had not like really eaten enough food that day. I was obviously trying to save my relationship. So I said something to the tune of like what I thought was an endearing like, <laughs> well, my girlfriend really loves like uh, taxidermy and I'm kind of hoping to impress her because we've had a bit of a, like I, I overshare is, is yeah. the comic way. And he blinks, basically. He's like, uh-huh. As if anybody else is in there buying taxidermy for a normal reason, right? <laughs> I was like, you must get this all the freaking time. And then, I, so I was like, okay, so um, I'm obviously thinking like romantic gesture. What'll I get? Sorry, yeah. this has become a longer story than I. No, I like you. I like okay, you. so I'm like, thank you. I am. Um, I've never told it before, and I'm <laughs> um, panicking. But I, I was like, okay, so like I need to get like a romantic animal. So I'm yeah. obviously like, how much is are the birds? He's like. I point to, I think, I think an owl, which is what David Sedaris bought. Um, and he was like, oh, yeah, that's um, 1,500 pounds. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> and he it was, it was, he wasn't joking. I was like, okay, that's crazy. <laughs> Obviously, that's insane. But also, I'm in here, so I'm panicking. So I just start going through smaller animals. <laughs> and they are all still in, like, over 1,000 pounds. And we're still, like, we're talking, like, I was like, okay, so, like, what about, like... Eventually, we get down, and he's like... 
what's your budget? And I was like, I don't know what my budget for a dead, for like roadkill is. <laughs> and eventually I, put, I was like, she likes squirrels? How much are the squirrels? And that is the smallest animal I can see in my eyeline. So if I can't afford a squirrel, I'm fucked. Um, <laughs> now I'm about to tell you how much I spent on a squirrel. Yeah. Um, okay. He's like, the squirrel is 420 pounds plus VAT. Obviously, my instinct is like, do you have a rat or a vole? <laughs> but I can't see any, so I have to be like, okay. I put it on my credit card. Whoa. Don't get credit cards, let me say that. Um, and I leave with a, with a squirrel. Yeah. Um, and indeed. And um, the, the judgmental silence is profound right now. It's heavy. <laughs> Heavier even than when you said you'd bomb a robot. Yeah. They, were, they were like, ha ha, but like, this guy's crazy. Um, so I leave with a squirrel. It, spoiler, does not save the relationship. <laughs> and then we have to have a conversation that's like, do you want the squirrel or should I take the squirrel? I'm like, obviously take the squirrel because otherwise I just have this taxidermy trophy of failed, of dead love, you understand, in a rodent. And, um, and now I guess I just sort of walk through parks thinking... That's 420 pounds. Yeah. That's 420 pounds. That's 420 pounds. Does that answer your question? It does. Great. Yeah. Sorry, it's not my question. That's, that's why artificial intelligence, it knew. It knew there was something. I thought that was a good question, but I didn't know it was that good. So that's... Thank you to Catherine. And thanks to all the guests who came on. I might thank them all individually. Uh, making a return after a decade, I think, before after, since his last appearance, at least. It's the terrific Greg Evergan impressionist, Mark Gatiss. And when, so when you, you get, you know, you play real people quite a lot. Mm. When you get to play someone like that, is there, is there a lot of, are you doing a lot of research into... Yeah, well, it's mostly watching videos and getting yeah. the voice and, the, and I got the teeth quite quickly. So, <laughs> um, But it's, it's always an interesting thing. I'm, a, I'm about to play John Gielgud at the National Theatre and uh, it's such an interesting process listening to it a lot, trying to get the voice and trying to place it in, in your voice, you know, and yeah. things like that. But Larry was um, it's quite challenging because he's, he's actually deeper than you imagine. And then it kind of floats off somewhere else, you know. But as soon as I had the chair and the teeth, I was all right, you know. <laughs> and the, 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 one of the most amazing things about doing it was... Um, uh, so Helena Bonham Carter comes to see me in my show and we shot it at Stockport Plaza uh, with, like, 150 extras. And it was like a quiet matinee. <laughs> and I had to do it. I just had to do the act for, a, you know, and, and um, it was so, it was quite addictive, actually. I thought I might tour it. <laughs> <laughs> well, people Shut do, that door again. <laughs> people do, do, you know, do take a, yeah. someone's act and, and do it in an interesting way. Yeah, I saw that um, poster for that Faulty Towers dining <laughs> experience. <you know. laughs> yeah, that made me go a bit funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that exactly. That would be you doing <laughs> Larry Grayson dining experience. Or they're actually, the League of Gentlemen doing a League of Gentlemen dining experience, but with you actually in it. That would know, be amazing. I'll tell you what, here's a strange story. When we did our last tour in uh, 2018, um, we got to, um, I think it might have been Oxford or maybe York, I can't remember, but we arrived at the stage door and there was someone in the theatre watched us troop through and he went, ah, the originals. <laughs> and I thought, is someone touring? 
uh, is someone touring as us without us knowing about it? Really weird. Here's a strange story. Uh, our, our tour manager manages uh, Queen. Yeah. And he's also weirdly in charge of looking after the tribute acts. Because Roger Taylor apparently was once one of like devises and it's a loose end. And he went to see a Queen tribute act and he, he thought they were so shit. He decided <laughs> that Queen should, to, should look after them. So they've taken them all in. And you have to, they, have, they have auditions for the tribute bands. Isn't that amazing? Sort of power mad. It is one of the, the whole, I was seeing Sasha Baron Cohen because Sasha Baron Cohen was meant to be in uh, the Freddie Mercury. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then fell out with them because uh, they wanted, they said, there's an amazing thing that happens halfway through the film. He goes, oh, what's that? He goes, Freddie dies. Yeah. They go, what? Is what you're putting in the, you're yeah. doing a sort of Pulp Fiction, putting the end in the middle. No, no, that's the, then it's about the band. Right, I know. The band coming there's back, a, and that was what... There's a it. fabulous lack of self-awareness. Yeah, <laughs> I remember watching the, the BAFTAs when Rami Malek won, and whoever was presenting was, in a generalised way, saying, you know, there's no Morecambe without Wise, there's no Queen without Freddie Mercury, <laughs> and, and Roger Taylor and Brian, and, and, um, and Brian May in the background just going... <laughs> <laughs> well, there is. Far and, as it's, and it's better. better. <laughs> um, and I want—I I, I never—I didn't see this uh, play, but I'm, I'm fascinated. I saw you talking about it on uh, BBC Breakfast or a clip. Uh, you played Jacob Marley and directed your own version of the Christmas. I know. I wrote it. It was directed by Adam Penn. Oh, you wrote yeah. it, right? Yeah, it's coming back. To Is it? it. Oh, Ali, Ali Pally, uh, not with me though. This, um, this Christmas. I because I've always been quite obsessed with Jacob Marley. Me too. That's why. Uh, and like, it's it's been a bit unfair on him. Why did no ghosts come to warn? It's, he's quite nice, isn't he, to come back? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in the Muppets, there's two of them. <laughs> So he, he comes back twice. Dangers and intervention for his friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's a very nice thing to do, and yeah. yet you never hear from it. I don't think maybe you addressed this. Someone told me you changed, you rewrote the end of Christmas Carol. Oh, maybe. Well, I can't, we can't talk it's about it. It's very faithful, back. otherwise. It's a, it's a, uh, I love it. I've always loved it. Well, the the yeah. Albert Finney version I saw when I was four, it was one of the very first things I ever saw at the cinema, and it really left a mark on me. And I, I've always loved the idea of. Weirdly, that it is too late for Marley. I quite like that. Yeah. Uh, and Scrooge is the one who's given the chance, you know. But it's um, yeah, it was it was strange because it was always my it was the last question I was always any any parts you'd love to play, and I would always say I always wanted to play Jacob Marley, waiting for someone to offer it. <laughs> Basically, I just had to do it myself. But then I did it, and then it's like, all oh, right. I've got to think of something else now. <laughs> I want to play an AI generator. I think. <laughs> It's interesting to want... I mean, you know, I think it's a good choice, but it's interesting to choose Marley over Scrooge. Yeah, well, uh, I suppose... What I, it's Less so, to do, it's just... It, no, that's the crazy thing. <laughs> I mean, literally, having written it, and it never occurred to me until we actually got to rehearsal that I wasn't in it very much. <laughs> but I play all, lots of other people in it, you know, sure. so it was all fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't know whether Scrooge is worth saving you know i mean i know there's versions of it i know the musical version they it has a bit more of a backstory and he's yeah had a had a bad life and then maybe you know he deserves yes. retribution but why why bother saving scrooge i mean i think marley's nicer than scrooge. it should be the other way around there should be a, a modern version with 
Jacob Rees-Mogg, I think. <laughs> uh, but he'd just send them packing, wouldn't he? Or in fact, any of them, really. Yeah. yeah. It's the only thing that can save this government is a visitation by three spirits. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't care. They no. Would care. They'd keep on arguing, but they the, were right. On the little boats and send them back. <laughs> they do. On the river sticks. <laughs> send them back. Ladies, where they belong. Lovely Mark Gatiss there, and even more lovely, I'm going to say, even more lovely than Mark, the terrific Jordan Gray. You know, I think we, we I've talked to this, talked to you about this before, but like the, one of that, that there's a couple of times on Twitter I've got in the middle of a Twitter storm, and it's that it's the time when I've said what I think is the most nice and moral thing I've ever said. Usually, my Twitter stream is full of stuff that you think would make people angry. Uh, the time that I said let's try and not use disabled language, I had three days of being called a spastic. By Ricky Gervais fans, uh, <laughs> there may be a company. There might be a little parallel with this story as well. Uh, and, and the time I said, "Why don't you know?" It's sort of polite to call people whatever they want to be called. Again, uh, that's <laughs> led to a lot of problems. Uh, and me, within about uh, two hours of me tweeting that, someone said, "You want to go into women's changing rooms and spy on teenage girls?" Which I do, but that's not the point. <laughs> that's not why I said it. It's nice to take ownership of that. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's weird how much it comes down to toilets. I was saying to you backstage, oh, you when I was in Pizza yeah. Express this weekend, I accidentally went into the women's toilet. I went to the toilet in the women's toilet, and I came out, I opened the cube. There was no urinals. I thought, I just thought that's a bit weird, but, you know, I got... I opened the... I got, came out of my cubicle just as, like, a uh, probably 10-year-old girl was coming out of the other cubicle, and I went... Oh, God. <laughs> and she just laughed. I mean, she wasn't scared. She laughed. And then tried, I know, she just went out. And then she, she walked back to the table she was sitting at, which I don't know, she thought she was safe. And I was, it was actually the table right behind her. So I walked past. And she was just going to her mum. Oh, you'll never believe what happened. And then she saw me and went... <laughs> and I have to tell you, it was a man going into a women's bathroom is the most humiliating thing that can happen to So the idea that anyone would be wanting to do that for anything other than to do a wee. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, it's quite one, there's very few sort of really fun bits about being transgender, but one of them is sincerely just asking where the toilet is. <laughs> like asking, being in a Pizza Express, for example, if I was to walk up to a waiter and go like, oh, excuse me, which way to the toilet? They go, yeah, sure. All right, I've got two options for you. <laughs> and they'd be that, and they always really sweet. You can see the mental cogs turn. They'd be like, well, the ladies is there. And should you wish to visit the men's <laughs> for any reason? It's just around the... If you want to tell a friend or something, it's around the corner. Really, really sweet. There's never been... Like, no-one that would like to enter a toilet, any toilet, for any reason, for, with malicious intentions, is going to be stopped by a little sign, <laughs> a little cartoon... <laughs> Imagine like being a like a murderer. Let's say a murderer and going. Don't be a murderer. They're bad. Don't ever do a murder. They're really bad. But like a murderer, go up to a toilet. I'm gonna murder some people. Oh, that's the women's. <laughs> oh, I'm not allowed in there. I'll go through the rigmarole, ten year pain of big doing all this and all the bloody transition to go. Oh, she's moved away now. <laughs> oh, what a waste of time. No, it's, it is absurd, but I like that it's absurd. I mean, when it stops being absurd is when it gets dangerous, when it becomes normal rhetoric to talk about this stuff. Um, it's been weird. last few days have been a bit weird. I keep, my name keeps popping up on weird programmes that are all Sorry. angry programmes. What's that LBC? Pro- LBC? I don't listen to LBC. Not LBC. 
Is there like a... I might be saying like the completely wrong letter. Letters are hard. There's <laughs> so many letters. Um, what's that British news programme? That one. Oh, GB News. Yeah. What's on that programme? We... I wasn't on it. No. My name was mentioned in... I've, I've think the, what's, things are going really well for me because I'm, I, what, what's really nice people saying that I'm staying away from all the rhetoric and that's not by design, it's just I don't... I re, I'm not particularly politically savvy person yeah. so I don't really know what's going on anyway. But I keep popping up. People keep being all angry about me. But they w- they will be. I mean, it's that's a you know, it's a it's a shame. I mean, more than yeah. a shame. It's uh, that it's horrible for you, and it's horrible for us that, that that's the world we live in. But I think it you know it. But I think it's it feels when this kind of thing happens. It's one of two things. Yeah. It's either the last death throes of something kind of ending. Or it's a really horrible, (laughs) 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 disgraceful happening. So yeah, but I think you know. I think you know. Most people. I think most people just feel they don't know. They're worried they'll say the wrong thing. They're worried they'll do the wrong thing. So I think most people. It's just more out of oh, you know, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to offend anybody. So I think that's most people who are confused by it. But then, sorry, no, please yeah, don't. Let me but, you know, but I, no, I, go, think, go, I, think, I think that, that GB no, News thing is a... No. I think that GB <laughs> News thing is... Well, you know, but, you know, I'm always worried I'll say the wrong thing to everyone and I always end up saying the wrong thing to everyone. But, you know, it doesn't matter, does it? If people make a mistake, that's, 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 not, that's not the important thing. And, and that's... Because it, it's this strange self-imposed thing. I understand. It's really sweet and humbling that somebody would want to not upset you, but you end up with this cognitive dissonance in your brain, like when you when you're expecting there to be something awkward and then something awkward doesn't happen, you're left with it in your brain. And then it's like, right, so cognitive dissonance is an amazing thing. The idea of being able to hold two opposing viewpoints at the same time, the brain don't like that at all. So when you walk past a homeless person, a bit of your brain goes, I've got money, I shall give it to them because they need some money. And then another bit of your brain's going, I want my money, it's my (laughs) money, I like money, right? And you walk past the homeless person, and we all do that same thing where the lip goes in. Right, <laughs> and when you walk past, that exchange is finished. But then a bit of your brain is still pinballing between those two things, and that's cognitive dissonance, and it builds up and builds up and builds up. So silly, self-imposed situations like that, where we haven't yet made ourselves comfortable with who we are, is why we lash out. And so, um, not yeah, having not decided how you feel about transgender people before you meet one, that's sort of on you a little bit. You've got to like, I've, I can do half the work, but you've got to meet me halfway as well because we are just a normal person with maybe extra bits or fewer bits than you're expecting. That's all we are, really. Well, I've, you know, I've, I've only got uh, two-thirds of uh, male genitals, so... <laughs> so, you know, I can, I can swing either way now. I can, I can, I can go, I'm going to take the rest of it off. <laughs> I can't run. I could, I could get more put in. You can get... If you've lost a ball, they can put... You know, I could ask for five or six to be put in I've, and be even, <laughs> be even more this. of a man than I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> if you, I've heard this one in the Albert Hall going spare. You really want one, yeah. Imagine knocking about with Hitler's balls like, in your vault. Well, it's a dream. It's a dream I've long had. <laughs> it's an old dream. If anyone finds it, if anyone finds it, I'll do it. That's a guarantee. That was Jordan. Now, someone I'm not sure like me, but uh, he still gave a very good interview. Terrific to meet him. One of um, one of my childhood heroes and still a hero today. It's Suggs from Off of Madness. You are a very funny man. You've, you've toured your own one-man show. And I understand you had a crack at stand-up in the 80s, the mid-80s. Is that right? I heard you had a, a go. <laughs> Sorry. 
elucidate my <laughs> That's what I heard. That's, my, that's the information well, well, I've I was had. trying to do stand-up. Yeah, do stand-up. With Jules Holland. I, think, I, like, I heard 1986-ish, you tried... Oh, yeah, well, there was a time, yeah. I yeah. thought, yeah, I'll get on stage just... After 35 seconds, my mouth dried up. I'd run out of steam <laughs> and I was booed off. Um, yeah, I've had various goes at it, but, 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 but more recently I've kind of learned that you do have to have some sort of idea of what you're going to say, you know. So <laughs> it's different, isn't it, to being in the pub with your old mates who laugh at anything you say because you're getting the rounds in to actually being on stage on your own. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I've been doing a relatively successful one-man show for the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got a you know you've got a lot of stories. It was a, a lot of things have happened to you, but you have a very a comedic sensibility in that you. I think you're happy to laugh at your at the things that go well, wrong. Well, I do well believe that's true. Also, yeah, what you said about the band and the longevity. I think self-deprecation. I mean, I'm not. You know, you don't have to overdo it, but we didn't mind laughing at ourselves. You know, that I think is something good. Um, and, uh, yes, a fan wanted to know this, which I think is a good question. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's a good, no, it's a good question. Why have Madness never released a Christmas single? Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> well, it's jingle bells this Christmas time. Santa's filling his sack. Jump on the reindeer's back. It's good. I'm putting it out. (laughs) It's hardly Slade, is it? Let's be fair. (laughs) No, we've been talking about it, but Christmas comes, and of course, you've got to write it in the summer, haven't you? You're you're there in your flip-flops on the beach in Ibiza. You're hardly thinking about snow and all that stuff. You could could write it at Christmas and put it out the next Christmas. That's true. (laughs) Last Christmas. Guff you my heart. I mean, you've got a few songs that are, that are uh, long runners, but it is it is that you know, it, Noddy Holder must be pretty, oh, mate, pretty happy Noddy about Holder a little bit. And um, after I was doing my one man show, he met me. He was trying to do one, but he ain't got the memory anymore. But um, <laughs> but um, he did this little show, and he had a sort of question and answer thing with what's his face, Mark Six Music, and yeah, I didn't know that that. He'd written a song, what turned into, right. what is it, Merry Christmas, didn't yeah. it? And he played the original, it was just this rather dreary love song. Right. But he said, then he turned it into a Christmas song and it brings him in about 300 grand a year. <laughs> so if only we turned our house into, ah, yeah. oh, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Santa's house, that's what Santa's, Santa's house. Santa's house. In the middle of Come and the... sit here. Come and sit on my knee. The North Pole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, well, I'm, I'm sure uh, your fans will know this story that you've... That madness uh, are responsible for two earthquakes. Yes. <laughs> That's all I need from you. Yeah, so we packed up 1984, Still, I think top best band in the 80s and we give them a six year chance to catch up but none of them did <laughs> but we come back in 92 was it we did a, a show in Finsbury Park we had a friend called uh, thank you um, so we get a cheer for a park innit 
I think all parks will get a cheer, don't you? Clapman Common. Yeah. Regents. Yeah. Hyde. Hyde. Well, okay, no, all right, that's okay. Um, <laughs> he used to do this thing called the Flower. Um, power. Vince Power. Vince Power, yeah. Big Irish festival and things. But he said, look, I've got all the fences and the staging. Do you fancy coming on the next week? You haven't played for six years. And we were sort of thinking this could be a goodbye. Anyway, 70,000 people turned up over the weekend. And when we started One Step Beyond, everyone was jumping up and down and it caused an earthquake, yeah. <laughs> and they were evacuating people from the flats opposite. <laughs> and the police were dubious. But they brought down this, whatever they're called, you know, investigators of earthquakes, you know, white coat, and it's on YouTube somewhere, <laughs> and she goes, it was. And when it happened the following night, police had to believe it was <laughs> fat Madness fans jumping yeah. up and down. <laughs> I mean, that Not was... Not allowed to say that, you know. That was the 1990s as well. There's going to be a lot fatter by now. Was the... So if... if, if, if... <laughs> 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 I'm not allowed to, to make Suggs laugh because he's hurt his ribs. <laughs> so that was the first the third one. time. First one after 45 minutes. <laughs> My grandson jumped on me in a swimming pool. Of course, you're not allowed to say, have you? Ah, it's fine! <laughs> anyway. It's weird, you know, often, obviously we get a lot of comedians on here, a lot of people I know, even, like, maybe not personally, but I know of them. Um, so it's always terrific when we get, like a proper celebrity on, uh, which can't be said of the next guest. It's Rhys James. You went on uh, Pointless Celebrities. Yeah. With, was it with Lloyd? With Lloyd Griffith. And you wore um, tuxedos? We wore tuxedos. That was a, you know, it was a bold move. Yeah, well, there, there was a reason for it. Okay. It was really annoying. Okay. So basically, I was trying to stitch up Lloyd. Yeah. And so I said, let's wear tuxedos on Pointless. And knowing he'll only bring a tuxedo and like what he's wearing and he won't want to wear what he's wearing. So he'll have to wear a tuxedo and I won't bring a tuxedo. <laughs> and then he will be wearing a tuxedo on Pointless and feel like an idiot. Yeah. And then I thought, you know, it's always a bit awkward, isn't it? That when Alexander Armstrong asks a question of someone on Pointless and they have, on the non-celeb one, they have quite an awkward bit of conversation. Yeah. And, you know, you're from Hull. <laughs> Lovely. What's the tallest building in Swindon? That sort of stuff, you know. Just like bad chat, you know. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> He should outsource his questions to an AI. That I would like to see on Pointless. If he said, who do you want at the front of your human, human centre be? Um, but he... Um, so I thought it'd be good, because then I could just tell that story. He'd be like, why are you wearing a tuxedo, Lloyd? And then I could tell that story. Now, the day before we went to record Pointless, Lloyd sent me a, a picture of him in the mirror wearing his tuxedo. And I looked at it and thought, God, he looks fantastic. <laughs> so I was like, I am definitely not the winner of this joke if he turns up looking amazing and I don't. So I was like, yeah, fuck it. I, wear, I want to wear a tuxedo as well. Then I thought, great we can tell this anecdote on Pointless, <laughs> yeah. and that could be our intro. And then <laughs> it doesn't get mentioned. <laughs> so we just stand there in tuxedos, and Alexander Armstrong doesn't bring it up, and Osman doesn't mention it. And I was like, are you fucking kidding? And it's he, and a question to me as well. He said, Ru Russell Kane, was, who was spoken to in the intros before me, and he said, Russell, <laughs> you're looking in amazing shape. You look really muscly at the moment. And then Russell talks about his you know, gym routine. And then he goes, Reese, you've got this podcast. And I was like, hold on a second. You can't go from Russell, you're sexy, to Reese, you've got a fucking face for the radio. I'm wearing a tuxedo. And then I just, like, have had a breakdown and screamed at him. And, and he said, yeah, and you look, you're looking so muscly, Reese." And that became a running <laughs> joke. But it sort of didn't really pay off because we went out in the second round. Yeah. And if you wear a tuxedo, you have to win. You have to, you win. Have to win. Yeah. We went out in the second round because um, 
the question was actors who've been in Alien or The Lighthouse. Oh, okay. And Lloyd said, Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> 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 yeah, very upsetting. Oh. I know. And I did Mastermind as well. Yeah. And when I did Mastermind, here's a peek behind the curtain. They, they do a bit of chat on Mastermind. It was still John Humphreys when I did it. Yeah. And it was a bit, the chat we were just having about, you know, what can you say and what can you not in the end. But I was told, he's going to ask you about in the little after you've done your specialist subject and then before you do the general knowledge, he's going to say, so you're a comedian and he, I had like a story about being asked to go and speak at my school that was like part of my show at the time. Yeah. And it was just like, he's just going to ask you about going to speak at your school. And I was like, great, I'll do two quick jokes and we're in. That's what you want. And then on the morning of it, I was on with an ex-MP and he said, instead he's going to ask you about poli- like, you know, what's the difference between being a comedian and being a politician? And I was like, well, that's also going to be easy to rip something. But the night before, it was during COVID, right? And they film it in Belfast, Mastermind. And it was during COVID. And then it kind of like opened up a bit for us to film. But there was no audience there. And the night before, it's like two episodes worth of people go up at once. And I saw Stephen K. Amos at the airport and he was going to do it as well. And then they opened the bar in the hotel for us and just us. So half of us were all getting battered in the hotel because we've not seen anyone for three months. So everyone's just getting hammered. And half of the dweebs were off revising. Like Steve Backshall, get a grip, mate. He's hench, though. <laughs> Steve Backshall, by the way, lovely man. But first of all, his suitcase was the Richard Osman House of Games suitcase. Wow. Pathetic. Yeah. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, his subject was sharks. His specialist subject was sharks. He had just finished editing his 10-part series about sharks. Yeah. Fuck off. You couldn't do this podcast as your specialist I subject. I was, look, I, I'm very annoyed about this because I did very well on Mads Mastermind but still didn't win. And I was up against, and I, was, I said, can I do the human penis? Because I'd written a book <laughs> about this. And they said, no, because you've written a book about it, you're not allowed to do it. Um, so there was a couple of things I put that I wasn't allowed to do. So I did Rasputin, which I, had to, which I knew a bit about, but I had to revise and I don't speak Russian, so I had to work very hard. And then Hilary Kay, who did win, who's an antiques expert, did Chippendale. Or something like that, right? Or Wedgwood, or something. But she basically just, just did, did a her part of her expertise. job. It's bollocks. And so you can't. You're not allowed to do that. It's mental. And then it filmed. We were filming at nine a.m. crucially. Yeah. And they said, uh, "We're actually going to ask you what's the difference between a, a politician and a comedian." I quickly thought of some one-liner about I don't know. Boris's hair is silly. Yeah, good. Because um, I'm cutting edge. <laughs> I'm one of the greats. I'm one of the youngest greats. And uh, and then I sat down, and John Humphreys went. Can you say anything anymore as a comedian or has wokeness ruined it all? <laughs> and I was so hungover that I genuinely, I didn't even think about the fact we're filming and this is broadcasting. I just went, John, it's 9am. <laughs> like that. And then just went, obviously we're going to have to do that. You can't say it's 9am, Bruce. That can't be your answer. <laughs> so then I just bluffed some bullshit answer that was so, the most fence-sitting fucking no- nothing in the world. Yeah. And then one of the questions, I fucked up the general knowledge a lot and one of the questions was, um, what is the birth, what type of birth is it called when the baby comes out buttocks first? Okay. Which the answer is a breech birth, breech birth which yeah. I didn't know. So I said, hilarious. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd heard the word buttocks and buttocks <laughs> first, right? I said, it's called a hilarious birth, John. Next question. <laughs> and then afterwards, I Googled it and I saw that quite a lot of babies, you know, quite injured or die from breech yeah. births. And I've just told you, no, I don't think comedy's too woke. You can say whatever you like. But, you know, some people are looking for offence, is what I just said. And then I've gone, baby death's hilarious. Good night. It's 9am. I panicked for months. 
yeah. like the only work I did in COVID, <laughs> and I thought, oh, I've just gone and ru- gone to Belfast, ruined my career. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that old anti woke. John Humphreys wouldn't let you say it was 9am. You're not allowed to say anything anymore, are you? <laughs> BBC to, censorship. not allowed to tell the truth anymore. <laughs> um, thanks, Reese. Uh, I mentioned her in yesterday's show, and uh, she. I've tried to get married to her in the last 24 hours, unfortunately unsuccessfully. It is my dreamboat, the woman who activated something within me that should have always remained dormant, the beautiful Janet Ellis. Do you remember being Marge's friend in the Sweeney? I do, yeah, yeah. Early I job? Um, very early, very early. Yeah. What I remember about it mainly was that it was on the same day, the filming was on the same day as the Derby, and there was a sweepstake, and I won. Oh, wow, the OK. sweepstake, yeah. Good. I was also in bed with John Thor. OK. But I mainly won on okay. the courses, in the, yeah. in the show, or just...? <laughs> <laughs> Well, they, was it not? Was, was Dennis and uh, Jarman? They're both gone now, haven't they? So, yeah, they, yeah, they're, yeah. Uh, were they nice? Were they fun to work with? On they the were great fun to work with. Yeah, yeah they were really good. And uh, yeah, it was. I was very soon out of drama school, and um, it was in the days when when uh, actors went to the pub at lunchtime, right. you know, and uh, and betook of the of the offerings there, and <laughs> then came back and worked in the afternoon. Yeah. And yeah. Seemed perfectly proper to me. That explains why they always drove around so erratically around there. <laughs> had to keep them off the roads. That's good. Uh, you, so you did start, you know, you went to Central uh, and, and, and had a proper acting training and you uh, start out as an actor. Yeah. You, there's, I found out some early jobs you did and you, you, I there's only found one reference to this so you might, you might not have talked about this much before. <laughs> you were directed by Ridley Scott... True. In a, an, an advert? Yes. For, tell us what it was for. It was for marshmallows. Okay. And they did a, it, they did a mock-up of that Fragonard painting, you know, the girl on a swing. Okay. It was extraordinary. It was at Twickenham Studios, the only time I've ever been there. And this must have cost them an absolute fortune because it was so beautiful. It was like the painting. And I had a costume like the painting and kicked my shoe off like she does in the picture. And I think it was only shown in the north of England, which is a tragic waste. <laughs> <laughs> was Ridley nice to work with on that, on that advert? Oh, I, no. I'm going to say I can't remember. Okay, good. But, I'm going to say no. I saw I, it now. Yes, I, I read I, the eyes. Yes. <laughs> I can't really remember. I, know, I can't remember. No. I can't remember. And uh, the, the, the <laughs> two front rows of this audience we will, will remember you best uh, for playing Tika in the horns. <laughs> Everything you did has got like a rude. <laughs> in the horns of Nimon, Nimon, yes, it, on it, Doctor it, Who. Yes, it's, yeah, even, I'm, I'm sure you'll agree, guys, uh, even aficionados describe it as not very good. <laughs> uh, not very, not very good. And the, the, um, the it was a reworking of the Minotaur myth, yeah. fact fans, and the, um, the thing was that the people playing the Minotaurs were, were strapping lads, but they weren't actually actors. So they were followed around in the rehearsal room by actors who, like a lot of actors, were not very tall, <laughs> so these very tall men walked around and on flower pots, you know, like you did when you were a kid, followed by small actors being their voices. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I am classically trained, luckily, so I could react as though that was normal. And you worked with, uh, you worked with K-9. How was K-9 to... Very slow. <laughs> very, very slow. Yeah, we couldn't overtake K-9. Right. And we had to run down a lot of corridors, and because it was the BBC a long time ago, it was the same corridors, but then they'd reconfigure them for our next bit of running so okay. they'd be slightly different. They were same corridors, differently arranged. <laughs> but we couldn't overtake the dog. Ah. 
Why weren't you allowed to overtake Kane? He had to be leading the... Yeah, some contract thing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, actually. We came in... It was Canine was sort of the scrappy-do of Doctor Who to begin with, and then... Yeah. Uh, and then... Not impressive up close. No. I'm honest. He came quite he popular. Just... He had his own show, didn't he? Canine and Company, is that right? Come Did on, he? nerds. Yeah. Did he? Didn't you get in Canine and Company? Is it called Canine and Company? Blimey. Did he? Yeah. What, what 81. Happened? Someone's giving me the... Yeah, yeah. How on earth? What? How many episodes? <laughs> one. Nine. One episode. <laughs> okay, so that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds an extravagance, that one episode. Uh, and Tom Baker... Was Tom Baker the Doctor? Yeah, he was, yeah. Yeah, that's classic, though. Can't Absolutely. Have been... Flipping lootly, yeah. 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 He was um, about to get married to Lala Ward. Oh, yes. Who was playing his assistant. But their courtship consisted of massive rows. Did it? One end of the rehearsal room to the other, yes. Mm. And I, an impressionable child. <laughs> it was good fun. But they still went ahead and got married? They did, and then um, they had more rows and yeah. split up. Yeah. Yes. And then yeah. she married Richard Dawkins? Yes. She hasn't got a type, has she? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Janet. Do call me, do call me. And uh, my final guest for this compilation is Sophie Duca. Um, I don't know if this gives away too much about your show. This is something I read in one of the reviews of your show. Oh, but okay. uh, uh, the, 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 all it said is you, were, you went on a cruise ship with 700 older lesbians. Yes, I did. Is that something you want to talk about or will that give away too much? Oh, no, your... I'm happy to talk okay, about it. What... It's all I want to talk about. How did the... <laughs> were, was every single lesbian older than you, first of all? Or seven, were there some younger ones? <laughs> The 700 older lesbians? Um, I, th- I think it was a sort of, like, never-never-land for elder lesbians. Okay. Like, it was a sort of, like, beautiful uh, sort of... Uh, I don't want to say a safe space, but, like, a, a haven, a sanctuary. Nice. Um, I, I think I was probably in the youngest five people on board. Okay. <laughs> and what, what attract... Were you, were you working? Or I you... was working yeah, on, okay. the, but on the... But it was kind of... I, I, like, at the time, didn't really speak about being, like, a queer comedian that much, so it felt very much like someone had seen me, and I didn't know... I, it felt like a, like getting the, like, um, Charlie Bucket golden ticket or right. something. Like, I get to go to the factory. Um, it, was very, it was very intense, and it felt like I was going on, like, a big journey. Yeah. Where were you going? Uh, the Riviera. Okay. <laughs> the French and Italian Riviera. Yeah. Uh, it was a week long. It changed my life. Okay. Uh, I've never, uh, I've, uh, yeah, I, it's, it was incredible. Okay. Uh, one of the things that isn't in the show but is amazing that happened is that it was uh, 700 adult women, elder lesbians. There were some onboard entertainers that hadn't been booked by the women. So it was the onboard entertainers for the ship and they were just singing show tunes and like love songs. And I went to watch them the night before I performed and they were singing all heterosexual love songs. Right. So they were singing things like When a Man Loves a Woman <laughs> to 700 women who were just going, Boo! Boo! Or like saying, When a woman loves a woman. But they got through a, literally an hour's worth of material. And wow. then every single new song was just like another <laughs> heterosexual, like, The only boy that could ever reach me. And I was like, Stop singing! <laughs> Stop singing about dick. Yeah. Yeah. Just change. Just change, Just change. change the word. Or, you know, hopefully they were hoping maybe it was a, a cruise that was trying to convert. It was a conversion cruise. Yeah. <laughs> 700. Imagine we'd come out and seven lesbians went, yeah, actually thinking about it. What have we been doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're old. <laughs> we've, we've wasted our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I imagine it was it a good. Be, yeah. 
Had, did you do stand-up on that tour? I did stand-up on the boat. Did it work well? Yeah, it did. Yeah. But I was, I was terrible. It was mainly like American women, and okay. as we all know, Americans are really fun and everyone likes them. Um, mainly American, like mainly older, so I was like, they're not going to get any of my references. Um, and it was just kind of joyful. I think it's like a demographic of people that don't get to like shine quite a lot because like people aren't making like say like um like making sitcoms about a 56 year old lesbian butch woman who works in petrochemicals but like <laughs> she is at the onboard party doing a dosey do absolutely living her best life <laughs> and getting to speak to like older queer women was very cool as well yeah. there was a woman called stephanie who sort of ordered ice cream for every meal just to fuck everyone up <laughs> um yeah sounds amazing Another champion of Taskmaster. Will she be the champion of champions? Will she come face to face with me in the champion of champion of champions? I don't know. As I'm recording this, it might have been out already. Don't think it has. Um, anyway, let's not talk about Taskmaster. This is all about Rahulas to Perth. Thanks for listening this year. Do tell your friends. These compilations are a great way to spread the news to your friends. If you think your friends who haven't heard this show might enjoy it. The more people who listen, the more downloads we get, the more money we get, the more podcasts we can make. It's a symbiotic, beautiful relationship. Thanks for all your support in 2023. Please keep listening in 2024 and listen tomorrow when we'll be doing another compilation. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Thanks for listening. Do come and see me on tour. richardherring.com slash gigs is the easiest way to find out where I'm going. And... GoFasterStripe.com, you can buy books and downloads. And just tell your friends about the podcast. If you can't make it to the tour show, if you don't want to buy any products, then every time you listen to an advert, you're helping 
us make more podcasts with a very, very tiny micro payment. So thank you very much for that. I love you all. It's lovely to meet you on tour, by the way. Hello to everyone who said hello so far. Do come and say hello after the show if you if enjoyed it, if you want to see me. That'd be nice. You can get a selfie. I don't care. I'm a selfie whore. All right. See you soon.